Hello, my name is Joe Hogan. Many of you know me as Epic Grays in various video games and social media. Welcome to episode 36 of Geektitude, a geek culture podcast that celebrates the inner geek in all of us. Today, I'm really excited to have one of uh, my favorite podcasters on the show, Ro of Realm Maintenance. How are you doing, Ro? Uh, I'm doing pretty good, and, and uh, I'm people might be wondering, wait, that that's just his name is Ro? Is that... <laughs> <laughs> am, I, am I like the share of podcasting? Uh, no, and not at all. Um, I, I can also be known in other spheres as Brian Black or Brian Schwartz. It's, that's, that's a whole long story as to why I prefer one name or the other. My real name is Brian Schwartz, but I've always hated the last name Schwartz, like ever since I grew up. Especially when the movie Spaceballs came around and I had people in school <laughs> say, may the Schwartz be with you. And then people would call me Brian Schwartznigger, Brian Schwartzkopf. And I'm like, man, I, I, j- I really want to change my last name. So I never legally changed my last name, but I knew that the German translation of Schwartz into English is black. So I, I said if I ever were to change my name, I change it to Brian Black. So when I got into the whole podcasting thing, I was thinking, well, you know, if I ever use a different handle for podcasting, I'd go by Brian Black, but that never really stuck. It was weird and awkward. And then uh, Roe is uh, the name I go by when uh, I'm playing in the world of orcs and humans in uh, the world of Warcraft. So I'm known by many names, but you can call me Roe or Brian or Bob's your uncle. I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> well, what would you prefer today? You can call me Brian. I, I think that – I mean you're Joe. You might as well call me Brian. I think uh, th- that will work just fine. I, some people may wonder with, uh, who's this Brian guy, but Brian will work just fine I think for today. Awesome. Will do. Will do. Um, I don't think I've ever heard like, – is there a, a reason why uh, you picked Roe for your character in WoW? Uh, yeah, so it's kind of a geeky reason. So I played – MMOs for quite some time uh, before World of Warcraft. I played one of the very first uh, MMOs, mul- uh, massively multiplayer online game for for people who not be geeky in the video game sphere. Uh, I played a game called Ultima Online, which was one of the first online uh, games of its type based on the fantasy series Ultima by Richard Gary. Ultima is one of my just favorite franchises as uh, I was growing up playing games. So in Ultima Online, I played a character named uh, Kyle, and uh, Kyle Duskwalker. Why did I choose Duskwalker? I don't know. It sounded I didn't want to choose Skywalker because I thought that was lame, <laughs> and I went for Duskwalker because it sounded close but different. And I, I had this whole like inner RP scheme with like uh, Dusk and Dawn and all that stuff. Anyhow. The whole thing to the row thing is is that one of the uh, – in the game I was playing, we basically role-played our characters. You know, we acted as if you know, personas of our characters and such. And mm-hmm. over the course of Kyle's life, Kyle ended up having a son, and he named the son Roe after a friend of his who had saved Kyle's life and had died in the process. So when I had jumped to another uh, MMO, which was Final Fantasy, I decided that I was going to instead instead of naming my character Kyle, I named my character Ro, and I kind of figured that like 
my my inner head canon was that Roe was uh Kyle's like uh was Kyle's son just lost in another realm and such and uh, as I moved from Final Fantasy to World of Warcraft I ended up still playing Roe because I just liked the name it was short and sweet. That's awesome. That's a cool that's a cool backstory. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm very familiar with your work, but for my listeners who might not be in the the Blizzard gaming realm, why don't you uh tell us what you do and who you are? So, by day, I am a mild-mannered convenience store assistant manager. If you've ever watched Kevin Smith's Clerks, I am Dante, and there's <laughs> many a time where I could probably easy, easily say, I'm not even supposed to be here today. Uh, when I am not at work, when I am in the comfort of my home uh, behind the computer screen, I tend to play World of Warcraft, well, not super recently, because I'm not currently actively subbed to Warcraft, but I pretty much play Warcraft and a whole bunch of games that are mainly made by Blizzard Entertainment. World of Warcraft has been one of my favorite games for several years now. And about four years ago, I started making a podcast about other podcasts for World of Warcraft, kind of a meta thing, because for several years, I had been listening to podcasts about World of Warcraft. And there are literally Dozens of different shows that cover World of Warcraft, even today, uh, even with, you know, the player base not being as large as it used to be. And I thought, you know, I went again to this podcasting thing and I received encouragement from friends of mine. So I wanted to make a podcast that was about World of Warcraft, but also different. So I decided to go for tackling it from a community angle and at the same time, hopefully trying to get the word out about all of these podcasts that cover World of Warcraft, big and small. Because uh, a lot of people know about shows like uh, The Instance, uh, Convert to Raid, Dark Moon Herald, the shows like that. Uh, there were many other smaller shows that you know might only have a handful of listeners, where The Instance might have thousands upon thousands of listeners, or some that only had you know two or three digits. And I wanted to make sure that they got attention and exposure as well, so I covered them. And over the course of the past uh, several years, that has changed not just to covering World of Warcraft podcasts, but I've also expanded to cover podcasts for other Blizzard games. Uh, of course, the very popular mobile game Hearthstone has become huge, and there are over a, do a couple dozen podcasts that cover Hearthstone. Uh, Heroes of the Storm, Diablo, Starcraft... Uh, the recent mega hit Overwatch, of course, uh, Overwatch has a dozen and a half shows at least that I'm aware of. So, yeah, it's it's been my passion to just kind of be this one person that kind of helps connect people to other people in the podcasting community for WoW and other Blizzard games. And I've been doing that for the past several years and loving every minute of it. And you're you're about to to hit episode 200, aren't you? Uh yeah, absolutely. I'm just a couple weeks away from putting out episode 200. I, I wanted to do something special for that show, so I've actually already recorded the bulk of the content for that. I just got done doing that a couple of days ago with uh, a few podcasters from other long-running wild WoW podcasts and it we had a great session. Some people joined in on the, the live stream and checked it out. It won't actually be published until, I think, July 5th, 
but it's already technically in the books. So I'm doing a little bit of time travel because I've yet to record, you know, episode 198 and 199, but 200 is already mm-hmm. to go. And <laughs> after 200, I've actually planned to take just a couple of weeks off, mainly to recharge my batteries, as it were, but also just uh, my in my offline adventures at work. I am putting in so many hours at work covering for uh, my boss who's on maternity leave. I've basically been doing the the job of two people while she's on maternity leave. So I'm just going to put a little more focus and effort into that in July. And when she comes back in late July, I'll probably be back with episode 201 and beyond. Awesome, awesome. Well, if you're if I'm any indication of your effect on on people's podcast number listener numbers, uh, the number of times that I've finished uh, an episode of your show and kind of, oh man, I gotta add another one to my. <laughs> I hear that all the time. There are people who will curse me because they're like, "Damn it, Ro, you, you made me add another podcast to my list, and I already have way too many podcasts to listen to." And, and mind you, this is just for like podcasts that cover Blizzard games. I mean, I really cover a very niche area of podcasting. Podcasting is becoming so mainstream now. I, Thousands upon thousands of podcasts are out there. It it feels like anyone who has anything to say uh, will make a podcast about it. And it's great and awesome that podcasting has become this medium that is just so accessible and so easy to get your thoughts and your voice out there. At the same time, you may not necessarily get the audience that some of the, the older podcasts have because – now it's such a, a diverse and uh, field that there's only so many podcast listeners to go around. But it's I've always said that I don't care how many people exactly download my show or listen to my show. If I am making an impact on someone's life, if I am making a difference in in how they listen to podcasts, uh, then job done. Yeah, well, and that's the nice thing is that Yes, it's become – some people would say it's saturated, but I would say that ev- everybody has their own little twist to it. And so you can really find very specifically the podcast that speaks to you. And I think that's kind of the cool thing about having so much diversity and so much uh, ability to to find exactly what you want as far as podcasts go. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I would say some of the more entertaining podcasts are, for me are not always the ones that have – uh, the strongest listener base in the world. Uh, do I listen to the instance from Scott Johnson uh, when he puts a new show out like every week or every other week? Absolutely. It's it's a standard. But there are a lot of smaller podcasts that, that cover the games I love that do things in their own unique way that, that make me laugh and make me smile. And they're just certain podcasts where uh, do they have the production quality of the bigger shows out there? No, but just their chemistry and their personality makes me want to download each week. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. We know that you are are very into Blizzard games, but what is your uh, general uh, geekitude areas? We we use that word as a combination of geek and aptitude. So where do you feel like your geekitude is high, that you, you really kind of always find yourself going back to those things? Okay, so in my early 20s, one of my very first jobs was as an assistant manager of a comic book store. So back then, uh, I had mentioned how um, my very first MMO character's name was Kyle. That was actually based off of Kyle Rayner, 
who uh, was at the time in the 90s uh, the person who was the Green Lantern. Green Lantern, mm-hmm. my favorite comic book of all time. Uh, even even in these days with uh, the, the current characters and now uh, in this whole DC rebirth, they have two Green Lanterns, which is pretty interesting. And Hal Jordan's not even one of those two that they talk about that are in the spotlight. But uh, Green Lantern's always been my favorite comic book. Uh, Kyle Rayner has always been my favorite Green Lantern. Uh, now he has, of course, uh, another role. But as a uh, assistant comic book store manager, I the comics of the 90s were my playground. I don't read anywhere near as many comics nowadays as I do. I kind of keep tabs on where the storylines are. But with everything that's out there and all these reboots and resets and, it, and you know, every year – comics feels like it needs to have a big event to to reinvent itself uh, it can mm-hmm. uh it can get a little old after a while it's like the universe will never be the same after this summer <laughs> event and then next year the universe will never be the same after we combine this universe with that universe and create a whole new universe and then two years later you know that whole thing when we combined universes let's go back to how it was before uh <laughs> But but that's yeah, not- it's a little it's a little undecisive right now. It's like, come on, guys, yeah. <laughs> just tell good stories. Just tell good stories. Exactly. That's that's all I really care about too is good stories when it comes to that. But so I kind of keep tabs on comics nowadays. But uh, it, back in the '90s, I really remember those comics. Uh, video games, obviously, well connected to Blizzard video games. I'm also a fan of RPG games. So uh, games like Skyrim. Fallout, the Final Fantasy series, uh, when it comes to uh, The Witcher, obviously, uh, Witcher is actually one of my favorite games right now. It's, it's been one of my favorite games for the past year. Uh, RPGs is where my gaming geekitude is highest. Uh, movies, not so much. I mean, I will see, on average, four or five movies in a theater a year, uh, mm-hmm. typically uh summer and holiday events like if it's a big marvel movie or if it's a star wars movie if it's uh i, I saw every lord of the rings and hobbit movie in the theater so uh, the big fa- the big ones the, the big event things where all the spectacle is you can expect i'll be in the theater for that but i don't watch every movie in the world uh and Music, I would probably say, and I, I have a feeling that, you know, you asked me where my geekitude was highest, and having listened to your show, I, I also know you're going to ask me where my geekitude is lowest, so uh, <laughs> music is definitely where it's lowest. I mean, I, I'm i a fan of the music of, like, the late 80s and early 90s, but honestly, I could hear a song, and I'll be like, oh, yeah, I love that song. Can I connect songs with bands and performers? Not at all. <laughs> uh, I'm right there with you. I, I and I always feel like like people give me that look, like how do you not know who this is by? And I'm like, I it just it's just not something that I register in right. my brain when it comes on. But yeah, it's uh, I'd say music's definitely uh, perhaps my low point. That and the fact that when it comes to uh, TV, uh, I technically have basic cable, but I never hardly ever watch it when it comes to TV. I'm usually more of a, a Netflix and Hulu person. I'll watch my shows on my time when mm-hmm. when I have the time to watch them. Uh, so th- there's a, there's a handful of TV shows I watch. I don't watch a ton of television, but it's safe to say if it's a television show that is connected to 
a comic book character, or if it's high fantasy or sci-fi, there's a relatively decent chance that I am a viewer of it. Very cool. Um, did you have anything uh, TV-wise that, that you are excited about, either coming up this summer or coming back in the fall? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I am a super huge, huge, huge fan of The Flash. Uh, to me, it is the best uh, comic franchise turned into a television show out there, uh, even more so than Daredevil, which some people may say is blasphemy. Uh, definitely better than Arrow right now. I am I'm one of those people that feel that Arrow has fallen far from the tree of its first couple of seasons. But uh, mm-hmm. the, the Flash is still very strong. Uh, Legends of Tomorrow, I think, is also great. Uh, also a fan of Gotham. But for, for me, when it comes to television series, uh, The Flash is definitely number one in my book. I loved the I loved the first season. I thought the first season was amazing. The second season had some really high highs and a few low lows. The ending I was kind of eh, about, but I, some of the stuff I kind of saw coming too. I wouldn't say it was a terrible ending, but I I feel like they could have used just a couple more episodes and could have made uh, the antagonist Zoom uh, a little less crazy and uh, psychopathic. Uh, yeah, he was he was just not very. He was very two dimensional. Yes, that's exactly what it is. Yeah, it, he, he was very two dimensional. For those uh, spoilers for season two of The Flash, because I'm going to discuss some elements about that. So if you if you're the kind of person who's going to binge watch The Flash, uh, stay stay away for like a couple minutes. Uh, the the thing about Zoom, which I didn't like, is that. I was really hoping that Zoom was not uh, J, the Jay Garrick impersonator, a.k.a. Hunter Zolomon, or at least this universe's version of Hunter Zolomon. Uh, it mm-hmm. felt like the obvious path when the first season you had this whole twist about, uh, you know, the reverse Flash and uh, and Harrison Wells actually being Eobard Thawne. It felt like season two was almost echoing season one a little bit too much and it felt like it was a little too predictable uh, i wanted i wanted zoom to be a more intriguing character i wanted his motives to be more intriguing just i want to be the fastest one there is and i want to destroy worlds now obviously his background is hunter Zolomon being you know uh the he watched his dad kill his mom right in front of him and this guy is just playing out crazy okay i get that but uh i just i wanted a villain that had a deeper motive and and reason behind his stuff than just i'm crazy and i'm going to take the world with me it works for video games it doesn't work for tv so much for me i completely agree i completely agree and i hope that i think that there's some really cool possibilities with the whole kind of changing time that we ended with right though the whole flashpoint thing i you know I feel like the, the first few episodes of season three will kind of touch on some Flashpoint-esque stuff, but I don't think we'll deal with uh, that kind of – I don't think it's going to be a season-long storyline. I feel like they'll tie up the result, the the impact and the consequences of what he did pretty quickly, like within the first two or three episodes – 
Uh, just how at the end of season one, the whole thing with like, oh, is Central City going to be destroyed? And they actually mm-hmm. ended up wrapping that up within one episode uh, for the most. Part. Yeah. So uh, some people think like, oh, we're going to have this whole alternate universe storyline going on for several episodes. I really don't think it's going to go that direction. And I hope it doesn't. I, I, I want to kind of button it mm-hmm. and then move on. Exactly. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Um. So would you say that Flash is your favorite fandom yes. or would beyond beyond Warcraft? It, uh, you know, right now, I'd have to say yes. And, and uh, the people who have heard me talk about World of Warcraft would be like, what? But uh, <laughs> really, I find myself thinking and talking about Flash right now a little more than I think about Warcraft. And not that uh, Warcraft is a dead game. Uh, people say that World of Warcraft has been dying for the past several years. It's it's nowhere right. near dead yet. But uh, Flash is just more intriguing and exciting to me, and, and it's more on the top of my mind more often than Warcraft. Now, Warcraft does have the Legion expansion, which is coming out in just like two months and 12 days. And I am currently unsubscribed from the game just because I'm working so much that I can't justify even spending uh, $15 to log in when I'm not going to have time to even do much of anything other than check my mailbox, you know? Yeah. Uh, so once this whole work crazy work stretch is over for me uh, around late July, early August, I'm definitely planning to resub and get back into the whole World of Warcraft habit because in the, the several weeks leading up to the launch of Legion, they're going to have these big pre-event things, you're going to be able to create a Demon Hunter character, which is a new class available in the game. Uh, So I'm definitely pumped and hyped for that stuff, and I think uh, Warcraft will probably supplant Flash as my favorite fandom in late July, early August, but right now (laughs) I'm still riding on the 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 high and the wake of what happened with the conclusion of season two. And I'm just really excited and eager to find out what's going to be coming down in season three of Flash. Yeah, yeah, it should be good. I, I think they're doing a lot of good stuff with that entire series of franchises. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I would agree Arrow kind of has its moments where you're like, okay, where are you guys going? Yeah, Legends but, of Tomorrow um, with the whole Justice Society tease at the end. Uh, I, yeah, I, see, really I have to go back to and catch up to that one. I let that one kind of fall, uh, fall along the wayside. And so now that I'm on summer break, it's going to be like, okay, that and Supergirl, I got to go back and, and catch myself back up with. Yes. So. Well, very cool. Um, is there anything that you are into that you think more people should be? Yes. If you play games, you should play this game called Heroes of the Storm. <laughs> uh, so what Heroes of the Storm is, if you haven't heard about it, uh, you may have heard if – you, if you dabble in games, you may have uh, heard of this game called League of Legends. Uh, and it's the League of Legends is a very popular game that has a very strong following. Millions of people play it. Big tournaments, esports, all that stuff. Heroes of the Storm is basically Blizzard Entertainment's take on that kind of style of game, but done in Blizzard's own way with uh, some ad- adaptations to how the rules are. They make it more of a, a team-oriented type game. And uh, I'm just I'm finding that I feel like Heroes of the Storm does not get the the attention and and praise and just the the hype that I feel it deserves. And I, I don't know if Heroes of the Storm will ever 
be one of those games that can stand side to side with uh, League of Legends, but I don't necessarily know if Blizzard Entertainment really cares if it's, you know, the the number one or, or number two game. Still, I have a love for that game because it's the in this genre, the whole multiplayer online battle arena or MOBA thing, uh, I never played League of Legends. Uh, by never, I mean I played two or three games of League of Legends, and I thought, eh, I'll pass. Uh, mm-hmm. Other similar games, uh, Dota and so on, I tried them, and it just wasn't for me. Uh, Heroes of the Storm really got my attention, and I don't think it's just because the characters were from the Blizzard games I love to play. I just love the way the gameplay felt. I love the accessibility of it, and it just uh, – it was one of those things that where it follows Blizzard's kind of mantra of easy to learn, difficult to master, and uh, I've, it's just something that I still play on an almost daily basis. Uh, so if you're looking for a new game to try where you can kind of hop in, have some fun for 15 to 20 minutes, and hop out, uh, I definitely encourage people to try Heroes of the Storm because I think it is a – a game that deserves much more attention than it's getting right now. Uh, I'm actually, as we're recording this, the summer world championships for Heroes of the Storm are going on right now, and so uh, I'm kind of like, oh man, I wonder is uh, is Eastar Gaming going to beat PBA? Uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm very <laughs> attached to the whole esports scene with Heroes of the Storm right now. So, uh, the- well, it's a it's a fun game, mm-hmm. and I I have a, I've again i've I've talked about my students they they are all league of legends and and I'll bring up heroes of the storm and they're like, "Well, yeah, but League of Legends, and I think it's kind of one of those things where i I look at them and I'm like, when you get a little older, I think you're gonna appreciate heroes of the storm a little bit more just because I think it it's a little bit more of that it has a little bit more of a collaborative feel than it I think League of Legends does It's funny right because here in this in that sphere of gaming uh Heroes of the Storm is, you know, in the shadow of such a big game like League of Legends, where on the the MMO scene, you have uh, great games like Final Fantasy XIV and uh, Elder Scrolls Online, which, uh, you know, are very well-developed games. They have very strong followings, but are still in the shadow of World of Warcraft. So it's kind of interesting for Blizzard to be on the flip side of this thing, where they're not the top dog in this sphere of gaming but they still have a very strong game there yeah definitely who who are your your go-to characters uh so for support i typically play either lily or morales uh mm-hmm. for warriors i will usually go with diablo 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 and then sometimes diablo <laughs> <laughs> and uh, assassins, I typically go for either Jaina or Leeming. Uh, Jaina right now is the only hero that I've ever bothered to grind long enough to get the master skin for. Uh, okay. I don't have master skins for any other character because I love playing a lot of everything. And then for specialists, I've almost got my second master skin for Sylvanas. Uh, So I would say for specialists, it's mainly uh, Sylvanas, sometimes Murky, sometimes Zagara. See, I'm a a Zul guy when it comes to specialists. Mm. I love Zul. Um, Zul, and I would say the other one, I actually got Chromie as soon as she came out. Oh, yeah. I I still don't have Chromie. I just have fun with her. I I had saved up enough gold where I was like, this one I'm going to try right out the bat. And... uh, 
she's definitely one that I have to be in a mindset of, okay, I've got to concentrate this <laughs> because it is like, you can't stop moving with her because otherwise you are dead. Right. And the thing is, uh, it's interesting that you, that you chose Chromie and she's an example of just from what I've seen and heard about, because I haven't actually played her too much, but I, from what I've read, uh, Chromie is one of those characters that, you know, it's a really great concept and lots of fun abilities and stuff on the competitive scene. There isn't, she isn't really highly thought of and uh, her win percentage rate may not be all that high but she just seems like a blast to play and they're making the developers are making changes to kind of tune her up so she'll uh, put out uh, better results on the competitive scene but it, when it comes to heroes of the storm you don't necessarily have to play to see if you're the, the best in the the country or the best in the world for me i play heroes of the storm not to see if i'm the very best i play heroes of the storm to have fun so yeah i i mainly play what's fun to me not what is the the best in the meta game to pick yeah, I'm kind of the same way. I'm, I'm well, I'm definitely the same way because uh, Heroes of the Storm is one of those games that when I know I've got a a chunk of time to dedicate to to video games, that I will I will hop on there. But mm. you know, with Hearthstone and so many other things that you can jump in for just you know a half an hour or so, it it those tend to get a little bit of priority. When I when I do go into Heart, um, Heroes of the Storm, it's kind of like I just want to play something that's fun. Yeah. You know. uh, for me, when it comes to since you brought up Hearthstone, uh, in the whole spirit of playing what's fun, when I play Hearthstone, I tend to play almost nothing lately but Tavern Brawls. Uh, the, I nice. love the Tavern Brawl mode week in and week out. Uh, just the way they change the rules up of the game every week, sometimes with uh, challenges where you have to create your own deck, sometimes you're given a deck to work with, and other times there's just a whole bunch of randomness happening and, you know, I just, I play Tavern Brawl, I get uh, my free pack, I get some gold, and right now I'm sitting on, like, over 2,000 gold, which is very close to, I believe, the amount of gold that you'll need to purchase an entire adventure. And I feel like we're about a month or two away from uh, getting that next adventure for Hearthstone, so I'll be able to get that without spending a dime on it. Yeah, we should be hearing about that pretty soon, I would think, yeah. because, yeah. Um, it's funny you, you mentioned Tavern Brawl, because that was going to be in my Keep It Geek this week, but wait, we can toss it in now. Oh, sure. What, are you, what, what uh, deck are you playing for this week's Tavern Brawl? So, here's the thing for Tavern Brawl. I usually build a deck based on my daily quest first. Uh, right. So, I kind of went with whatever I had to do, like if it was, if my quest, if my quest was for mage, I built a mage deck and so on and so forth. That said, the the two decks I was mainly gravitating toward to were both mage and warrior with uh, mage. I would play, I was basically playing what you might consider uh, pay to win decks in that I've been playing the game so long, I have uh, a full roster of legendary cards. So mm -hmm. I'm playing a, a deck with very powerful cards, you know, like uh, Alex Straza, Ysera, Dr. Boom, uh, a whole bunch of other, uh, all the old gods in it. Well, on the mage, I think the only old gods I play are Yogg-Saron and Yasharaj. But the point of the mage deck, the way I built it, is it's, is half full of legends and half full of spells that get me more spells or more value out of them. 
Like, I'll play Mirror Entity because I know my opponent's going to be playing a big creature, so Mirror Entity is going to give me a lot of value. I'll play mm -hmm. Effigy because if my opponent kills one of my big creatures, I'm still going to get a big creature back. So it's all about kind of the, the whole card value game and just getting more bang for my buck. And near the middle or end of the game, I get yogg Saron and then a whole bunch of chaos ensues. And we, we see <laughs> what a great card. Uh, it's it's perhaps the greatest card from the Whispers of the Old Gods in terms of fun. Uh, yogg Saron's amazing. And with Warrior, a, a very similar deck, although the, the deck is also designed to basically be very cheap and, mm -hmm. uh, it's a deck where there's this one legend called uh, Varian Rin, you know, named after the, uh, the the current king of Stormwind, where if you play Varian Rin, you get to draw three cards from your deck, and if any of them are a minion, they go right into play. So the warrior deck is a bit more minion heavy, and the whole point of that deck is to mulligan myself into get an opening hand that puts me in a very strong position where... I can put down Varian on turn one or Yashiraj, which brings out another minion and uh, basically play the, the whole value game, but just have uh, go for a very strong start in the beginning and almost kind of like an arm wrestling match where I just try to slam the opponent's fist down on the table before they can even blink. Yeah. Yeah, that, it's funny because I do the same thing. I, I pick my Tavern Brawl based on what I have to get rid of as far as uh, quests go. Mm. And uh, I had Paladin, so I'm like, hmm, what Paladin? So I ended up doing a Paladin Murloc deck, Ooh. which is almost the exact opposite philosophy of what oh, you're going no, with. Oh, no, absolutely. I haven't tried that yet. <laughs> yeah, and so, you know, because I very rarely play Murloc decks, but they're just so fun when you do play them that it's just kind of like just rush them with as many Murlocs right. as you possibly so can. <laughs> I'd imagine that you'd uh, try to throw as many things onto the board as you can and uh, try to mulligan so that you have a divine favor in your hand to put down ASAP yes, to recover exactly cards. Yep. And then yeah, uh, lay on hands will get you some card draw. So yeah, I can see that working. Yeah, it's it's been a fun deck to play. And very often I will do the Tavern Brawl just to get the free pack, and then I'll move on. Right. But uh, this week it's kind of like, uh, I've got five minutes, and I'm going to throw some mer more Merlocks out there. <laughs> I've got 52 wins on this Tavern Brawl, so that, that shows wow. just how much I've been I enjoying it. I can always tell how much I like a Tavern Brawl by the number of wins. If if I like the Tavern Brawl, I'm going to have double-digit wins on it. If, it. if I have less than 10 wins on it, then it's a meh brawl. If I have... Uh, three or less, it's a brawl that I did not care for. And it was pretty much, okay, I'm going to get my pack and go home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. Well, very cool. Well, the last question I have for you, um, other than um, I know you're you're nearing your 200 episode. You've, you've recorded it, but it's coming out in a couple weeks. What else do you have in the works right now? Uh, so over the past few years, uh, there's been this – little gathering that happens in Anaheim in November called BlizzCon. <laughs> and uh, it's a convention that uh, celebrates all gaming that created by Blizzard Entertainment. So uh, it, it's kind of like, uh, for those who know what E3 is all about, it's like E3, but only for the games made by Blizzard Entertainment. And you have all the championships for uh, the the competitive side of these games, and you you tend to find out new announcements about upcoming content for all of Blizzard's games and all that. I've gone to that 
now for this will be my fourth year in a row. And part of that whole thing, uh, the day before BlizzCon begins, uh, there tends to be these parties and events that uh, where the community just kind of gets together and have fun and, and all that stuff. There's this one event in particular called the Con Before the Storm, uh, which uh, previously, a couple years prior to that, had been known as World of Podcasts. And I've had a little bit of a hand in organizing that and putting that together. So what it was is kind of like this this community party and gathering where podcasters and now really podcasters and content creators and their fans and communities could all get together in one area, hang out, talk about uh, Blizzard games, to just celebrate the fandom that is uh, our love for uh, Blizzard Entertainment and its games and just have a great time. And over the, the past week, uh, the Con Before the Storm has always been a community-funded thing. So it's uh, something that's been funded uh, on Kickstarter. And their Kickstarter campaign actually wraps up, uh, I think, about, geez, I want to say a little less than 12 hours from now or, or somewhere around that. Uh, I've been in conversation with some of the organizers behind Con Before the Storm to uh, put together the World of Podcasts portion of Con Before the Storm. So uh, I'm really excited about the planning and the talking, the early stages of planning for that. Uh, that's that's kind of been the, the thing I've been working on right now uh, besides episode 200. So I'm, I'm, I'm very eager to see what happens this year with Con Before the Storm and the World of Podcasts uh, portion of the event that's going to be presented there. This is going to be my first BlizzCon this year. Awesome. I was very excited. Yeah, I was very excited to get a ticket. I totally did it on a whim because I was like, I've tried in the past mm -hmm. and it had not gotten in. And this year I was like, eh, I'll try it, but I doubt I'll get in. And I was very surprised that I did. But I did go to um, Con Before the Storm last year and I got to see you speak with uh, Chris Case and I forget who else was on the panel with you at the beginning. Uh, that would uh, be uh, Dustin Turley yes. from Horde for Life. Horde for Life. Yep. And uh, and uh, just so much fun. I'm almost I am looking forward to BlizzCon, but I have to say I'm almost looking to forward to Con Before the Storm more because oh, yeah. it was just a really good time. I got into touch with uh, a bunch of people that I'd spoken on line with, but never actually in person. Chris Case and um, and uh, the guys from uh, Hearthcore, uh, Juice and Rodney and. Mm -hmm. uh, met Kevin there from, you know, just, just met so many people, Jules, and it was just so exciting to kind of get to meet all these people that you listen to every week. And so, uh, so this, this year I will have to, uh, I'll have to stop. You were very busy, so I didn't bug you, but we'll have I'm, to say hi. I'm very busy every year. I could have sworn, you know, now the thing about it, did you at least introduce yourself to me? Because I could have sworn you did. Um, I don't think I introduced myself. I think I was getting ready to, and I think you got mobbed by a group of people, and so I just exited stage it, right. That is so weird and awkward. So I, I've always had it, – it's weird because it's like this whole this whole thing. People are like, hey, it's row, row maintenance stuff, and, and it's like – I. It's weird having that kind of thing happen to you at a party and convention because, honestly, when I first created Realm Maintenance, I mean – from my point of view, I, I really still try to see myself as just like, you know, I'm a podcaster, I, lo uh, I love video games, and I love talking about video games, and I love talking about other podcasts that are talking about them, but I, I 
I really I really feel awkward when dealing with the the the, the pseudo quasi celebrityness that happens at those meetings and stuff like that. I, I feel I I really feel like you know I'm just like anybody else. So I uh, you know this year round, Joe, uh, please introduce yourself to me. Don't <laughs> don't if I'm. If I have a small mob of people around me, fight the, uh, fight them off. Say, I, I hey, I want to shake through. this guy's hand. <laughs> well, I have to say, I, it, it does help having having you know thirty six episodes under my belt because it's one of those things where um, you know I think a lot of us who do this are very introverted to begin with. Absolutely, I'd... and so, and that's where it's it's not so hard for us to talk on either side of the microphone, right. but then in person, all that all that awkwardness creeps back in. Oh, I know. Uh, it it but, totally does. And it, it's weird. Uh, it, for me, I still had, uh, I was feeling incredibly awkward when I was trying to introduce myself to uh, some of the streamers for World of Warcraft, some of the more popular streamers like uh, Towley and Bajira, who I mm-hmm, noticed mm-hmm. were in the lobby of the Hilton. So it was kind of still that same kind of nervousness and stuff. And it's like just getting the, the energy and the and the the motivation to like you know just go up to him and say hi you know I like what you do and stuff like that it, it's still kind of a nerve wracking thing to do so yeah I totally really, get what the, you're saying the the worst though for for me is I went to after and I, I told this to Chris Case when he was on my hmm. show um, I went to the Angry Chicken A Move gathering oh at the bowling lane yeah yes at the bowling lane and. I had just gotten into the Overwatch uh, beta, and I had all this stuff that I could talk um, talk about with uh, with them. And I went up to Garrett Weinzerl, and I introduced myself, and then absolutely everything that I ever geeked out about that has anything to do with Blizzard completely left my brain. And it, it resulted in... I really like your podcast. Bye. bye. <laughs> I like your podcast. You 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 say good things. <laughs> <laughs> and so it was just kind of one of those things where it's like I think everybody has those moments, yeah. and you know because we none of us are celebrities. No, none, no. None, no, 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 podcasters. Doing... Okay, podcasters for Blizzard games. Do people know who we are? Yes. Are we celebrities? Hell no. We are nothing. We are but dust in the wind. <laughs> But it's one of those things where where you you look at this person as somebody who has um, an expertise in something, and I think that 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 presence, that that charisma that they they exude through the microphone, uh, it, it it's it's a little overwhelming when you want to approach them. And so you know, yes, I will I would look forward to to this fall being able to meet you in person. Uh, likewise, and to to anyone who has ever thought about like wanting to make a podcast of their own and it doesn't even it doesn't have to be about uh warcraft or heroes of the storm or or games even if you've ever felt like you know man i really wish i could record a podcast that people could listen uh to and like you know check out my stuff and want to download and listen to my stuff my advice to you is uh, i'll channel my inner shia labeouf here just do it i you know it's really it is easier and more accessible to create a podcast and start a podcast now than it ever has been. I uh, will you get tons of people listening to your show within the first several weeks or months? No, probably not. It, more more likely than not. 
but you might get some feedback and it just it feels there's something it's like it's just like any kind of craft or hobby it's just like painting or you know writing a novel or something like that i just genuinely feel good putting together this assembling this piece of audio you know and adding some music and stuff to it and you know doing segments and stuff for me i say it's uh i'm playing with audio legos when i assemble a podcast Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and i it's just there's just kind of just joy and fun i get from creating just periods so uh, if you've ever thought about making a podcast, give it a shot. Try it. Do it. Uh, try a few times. Don't be afraid to stumble. Don't be afraid to make mistakes. Don't be afraid to learn uh, because you might just find that you have a heck of a lot of fun doing it, and you may just even find that there are people who have a heck of a lot of fun listening to you. Yeah. The hardest thing is pushing that publish button. Yeah. So absolutely. no matter what the – yeah, no matter, no matter what the the quality is – for your first one, just just hit the publish button because once it's up there, they just keep getting better from there. I totally agree. Awesome. Well, thank you for for sharing yourself with us today and, and letting us kind of get to know you a little bit better. Um, we're gonna move on to the ways we kept it geek. Both of us had very busy weeks, but I think we still managed to to stick a few things in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I had already mentioned the Hearthstone Tavern Brawl that I had a lot of fun with. I was excited. I'm excited to be able to talk to you because usually my geeky stuff is Blizzard games, and a lot of my guests don't follow Blizzard games. Yes. So when I'm talking about these things, they're like, I don't know what that is. Like, oh, Hearthstone. I, I think I've seen a commercial for that on the internet. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So we did that. Um, I I am in the, the camp right now of people who are just waiting for Legion because mm-hmm. – I, I I didn't enjoy this expansion, and that doesn't mean it was a bad expansion. It just was one that uh, speak to me. But you know, did you happen to check out the the recent dev Q and A earlier this week? Uh, I didn't. Okay, so I, I would invite you, like, if you get a couple minutes, uh, even if you look at like the the breakdown of the Q and A and stuff, that uh, they had a developer Q and A where they asked questions and they gave answers about Legion. And uh, there were a lot of real – they didn't have many softball questions. I was really impressed with some of the stuff they answered, and I feel better about the development team's direction with Legion, and I feel more interested about the expansion after seeing just uh, what the developers are planning and uh, how they understand that they've made some mistakes and there have been some bumps in the road with uh, the previous expansion. They're hoping to uh, make amends for that in Legion. Well, that's good, and they they tend to be very good about um, talking about where they've gone wrong or where they where they can see they can improve. You know, they're very self reflective like that, and I don't know that a lot of game companies are. So, you know, I think it's like I said, some people loved this expansion. It's just for me, it 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 ran dry of content kind of early on because I didn't. If you didn't enjoy the garrison stuff, you were in trouble. Right. Yeah. Um, while I haven't read it, I did pick up the latest. Ep- uh, issue of Scooby Apocalypse, which so, I'm very excited about. So I'm not familiar with Scooby Apocalypse, so educate me on this. It is a complete um, reimagine of Scooby-Doo. Mm-hmm. And uh, it is, the the characters are a little bit redesigned. The, the I think most drastic redesign to a character is Shaggy's very hipster mm-hmm. instead of, you know, 70s burnout. Right. Um, and 
they kind of come together in clumps. You've got Daphne, who's a, a reporter, with Fred as her cameraman. You've got Scooby-Doo, who is this government experiment with smart dogs. Mm. And Shaggy is his trainer. Okay. And then you've got Velma, who is a scientist, who is in in some ways Shaggy's boss, but more importantly is part of this big global conspiracy to kind of wipe out not wipe out the world but like genetically change the world to be very compliant so that people can um can be controlled and so you, you got she, your x-files in my scooby-doo there <laughs> yes yes and so the the conceit of the first step uh issue is that she is contacting daphne who's kind of this um investigative reporter to try and out her company before something actually happens and in the process what was you know the the virus that they were going to release that was going to cause all this does release but not in a way that anybody expected and the five of them are are protected from it and so moving forward it's going to be dealing with these people who have been genetically modified and i'm i'm assuming again it's only one issue in but um, assuming that it's going to be how to kind of either reverse it or or find more survivors, it's it's a very different take on the story, and it's it's very cool. I'm a huge Scooby Doo fan, so that's a big part of it. But it is it is, I love reimaginings like this. So I it's I cool. just I pray that there's no Scrappy Doo. <laughs> so far, so so far, so good. Because I'm in the I hate Scrappy <laughs> camp too. <laughs> Um, I mentioned that to somebody yesterday or the day before because I have a T-shirt that has the the I'm a huge Scooby Doo fan. Mm -hmm. um, I have a, a T-shirt with the Scooby Gang as characters from uh, the Star Wars franchise. Oh, nice. Yeah, so Fred is um, Luke Skywalker and Shaggy's Han Solo and Scooby is Chewbacca and um, my favorite is that R two D two is the Mystery Machine. <laughs> Yeah, it's really so. I was wearing that T-shirt and I was talking to one of my colleagues, and and I, I forget how Scrappy came up, but she goes, "Oh, you don't like Scrappy Doo?" And I was like, "No, nobody likes Scrappy Doo." And she's like, "Oh, I kind of like Scrappy Doo." And I was like, "Oh, you're from a different generation oh, than I am." Kid Scrappy is the Jar Jar of Scooby Doo for sure. Oh, definitely, definitely. So anyway, so that was that. I'm excited to be able to sit down and and get through. And then you also have E3 on on your E3! list, so I won't, <laughs> I won't go into that in too depth. Yes, but one of one of the things that I know is coming out is uh, the new South Park game. Ah, uh, the the fractured butthole. Yes, now, the fractured for, for those, but it's the fractured butthole. If you say it too yeah. fast, though, <laughs> yeah, one T, not two. Um. So anyway, so um, my I had some students kind of getting service hours cleaning up my my classroom while I was doing uh in services and they had E3 running on my big screen and uh, every time I came in they had, you know, all the things that we need to to keep an eye out for and they were really excited about South Park. <laughs> and I said, "You know, I haven't seen South Park in a really long time." And they're like, "Oh, Mr. Hogan, you have to go back." And and catch up on the last several seasons because they're phenomenal and they really tie into the games a lot. And so definitely before you get into the game, you know, this summer, spend some time doing South Park. So 
I figured if I watch an hour of South Park a day for the summer, I can get through all the seasons. And so I started that today. Oh, my. I'm going back to episode one and working my way through. Wow. That's going to be a journey. Man, how many years has that been out now? I think they're on season 19. Good gravy. Yeah. That's a lot of episodes to catch up on. Well, a lot of the seasons are only like 10. Right, right. So, yeah. So they're shorter seasons, so that helps. And they're only but half still, an hour, so they're also like helps. 10, epi- 10 to 15 episodes a season, you're looking at 200 shows, uh, 22 minutes a show. That's like 60 hours. So you you got a solid two, three months of watching there. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. But I think there will be some. Again, I'm I'm off for the summer, and I know when uh, my husband's at <laughs> yeah binges. I know when my my husband's at work, I can have that on my second screen while mm-hmm. I'm playing video games and stuff. So um, so we'll get through. We'll get through. I it. can only it's, now is is he the type of person that would also be a fan of South Park, or is he is he the kind like he'll watch you watching South Park and he'll be like really? <laughs> no, I think he appreciates it. Mm-hmm. Um. But I, I don't think it's something that he would want to marathon with me. Right. So um, that's that's why I do it. There's, there's there's a distinct difference in my taste and his taste of, of viewing enjoyment. But, uh, you know, I, I have quite the collection of shows that I kind of just binge watch during the summer because, you know, we don't watch them during the during the school year. Gotcha. Yeah, right now we're we're binge watching The Americans. I don't know if you ever watched that. Heard of it. Haven't watched it. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. We just got through season one. Uh, last, we we finished season one last night. And we're working on season two, so it's a lot of fun. How about you? What geeky stuff have you been doing? Okay, so podcasting wise, I've already talked about you know combo for the storm. We mentioned I put together episode two hundred of my show. Uh, outside of that, uh, let's talk a little bit TV first. Uh, you've been checking out South Park. Uh, as a kid, one of my favorite animated series was Voltron. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that just left such a mark on like my imagination, and I think it's really responsible. Uh, I think Voltron is heavily responsible for me having such a uh, love and passion for just the sci-fi genre, as weird as that may be. Some people may be like, what, Voltron got you into sci-fi, not Star Wars? I mean, I watch Star Wars and stuff too, but I had like everyday exposure to Voltron while whereas mm-hmm. Star Wars and stuff wasn't really as much an everyday thing. So yeah, they came out with a new Voltron series. Now Voltron has had a few uh reboots in the past and the last couple weren't really that great, but this recent one uh, it's called Voltron Legendary Defender is exclusive to Netflix and it's like a uh, 13 episode run, uh, I believe 12 or 13, the first episode's an hour long, and then the others are your kind of standard 20, 25 minute long uh, thing. I have watched up to episode 5 so far, and I'm actually enjoying it a lot more than I thought I would. Uh, they do some things, that it does really feel like a reboot in that there are definitely some elements from the past that they are doing very differently. But there's enough of it that hits those nostalgia buttons that I'm I, that I like it. It's, it's it reminds me enough of the old series while also taking things in a fresh direction at the same time. And I anyone who has watched Voltron in the past and if you've been a fan of it, I would definitely invite you to check it out the Legendary Defender out on Netflix. 
Yeah, I definitely have that on my list of of summer watches because mm-hmm. I've heard a lot of good things, and it's nice to hear you you kind of echo those. Good story. Uh, yeah, strong story. I mean, it's the storylines and stuff are pretty typical of stuff that you would see on like you know your typical Saturday morning show and stuff like that. I wouldn't say that the story just because the show's on Netflix, it doesn't necessarily mean that the storylines are very adult oriented. It's kind of your your typical Saturday morning cartoon story kind of fair, uh, a little bit of cheesiness, but also uh, some darker tones at t- at times, and uh, it, the occasional you know uh, the occasional kitty humor of of a fart joke here or a, mm-hmm. a moment of nauseousness there. Uh, but it's it's a good mix. It works for me. It just it just presses the right buttons. It it does a little bit of everything. Would I say it's one of the best? Uh, recent animated series in the world? No, but it's kind of like it, it's doing the same thing for me that uh, uh, guilty admission here. I watched Fuller House. I enjoyed. It. <laughs> All right, so I there I said it. But it's because Fuller. Okay, uh, Full House was not high quality television, but something no, I watched as not. a kid. Fuller House on Netflix is not high quality television at all, but it hit those nostalgia buttons and it made me laugh and he did a few things a little different. And it's like, you know, this show isn't great, but I'm still laughing at it. Did, did, how far did, did you get through the whole thing? Of Fuller House? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I'm impressed. I got, I got two or three episodes in and when I, I, I got, I got a good taste of this. I understand what it is. The first episode, I like a lot of people were like, "Oh, I watched the first episode. It was terrible." And, and no, but well, the first episode is so different from the rest, though, because the uh, the first episode is really them trying to do an episode of old school Full House with the characters all grown up. Uh, the the episodes after that, while you have some cameos from like the older Full House characters, uh, it goes. It kind of does its own thing. So yeah. Episode one's yeah, very I, different from the others. It really is. It's very much high. Here's all the little things you want us to do. This is the reunion all show you one. wanted. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And then I did watch the the next, I think, two episodes, and I thought that it was good. Whenever the 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 adults from the original uh, show did not come in, yes. <laughs> when it was just the 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 women. I thought that was where the, the, the show was fun and enjoyable and you got some new laughs in there that weren't so cliche and cheesy. And then Joey would come in and you'd be like, okay. Please, <laughs> can you put Mr. Woodchuck away? No yeah. one said would. Just just go. Go. <laughs> <laughs> well, very cool. What else? Uh, so uh, I've also been playing some Diablo 3 and Diablo 3 and Hearthstone has been kind of my gaming kind of thing. Uh, Diablo 3, I'm having fun with this one uh, build with my wizard character that is, I I mean, even the developers have said it's practically an exploit, but we're not going to ban you for it because it was our goof up uh, Mm -hmm. using the the Firebird set to do massive damage and stuff. Uh, So I've been doing that for gaming, playing that bit of Overwatch here, uh, a bit of uh, Witcher and Fallout there, just in kind of little bite-sized pieces because I don't have a whole ton of time. Uh, But when I haven't been at work or playing games, I was this uh, almost now a week ago. It, man, it, it feels like this last week has really flown by. But E3 and just all the shows and the hype surrounding E3, I, I, 
Man, I love watching E3 the way some people love watching the Super Bowl for the commercials. It, it, for me, it's like <laughs> E3 is like Super Bowl commercial watching. You know, you, you go you go the couple days before E3, you watch the the Sony, the Microsoft the press conferences, Ubisoft, Bethesda, and all that stuff, and you see what stuff that they have in store. Uh, you make some comments about who won E3 and who lost E3, all it, which is that's all a matter of perspective and stuff, although I'll still say Sony won E3. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> A lot of people have said oh, that. Oh, man. There's just so many good things. I, the, the state of gaming is in a great place right now, and you're seeing this whole, this whole virtual reality thing. I mean, I thought 15, 20 years ago, I thought that virtual reality was going to be, you know, a big thing. It was going to be a big hit. Do you remember the Virtual Boy from Nintendo? I very vaguely, yeah. very, I, I, people will mention it and I'll go, I kind of remember something about that being around. And, and it fell on its butt. It was this minochromed red screen thing and it didn't do a whole, a whole lot and stuff. But now we're fine. We're really at a point uh, with technology and stuff that the whole virtual reality gear and the graphics and stuff like that, it, it's really, it, it's really becoming a thing. And uh, I watched uh the demo for Resident Evil 7, and I've never really been a big fan of Resident Evil, but just uh, watching that Resident Evil uh, footage during the Sony conference, I'm like, oh, man, I, I don't think I could do that. I don't think I could wear this visor on my head and feel that immersed <laughs> in this scary house where you're trying to get out. I'm like, half of me, there's half of me that's saying, uh-uh, nope, 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 and the other half of me is like, this is so freaking cool. I want to do this. I want to scare myself to death. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I know my, when my brother played, I think one of the original resident evils, we were still living with my parents and I remember him kind of poking his head in into my younger brother uh, and going, Hey, uh, you want to watch me play some video games? <laughs> like what, what's going on? He says, well, I'm playing resident evil. I'm like, and you're scaring yourself, aren't you? <laughs> He's like, yeah, a little bit. Uh, and, and then uh, let's see other games that stood out to me for E3 uh, Gwent which is the card game from The Witcher 3 uh, mm -hmm. I, I feel like I'm going to be spending a lot of time playing Gwent uh, the God of War uh, remake for uh, that's coming I think the well it was on the, the PlayStation conference uh, that God of War just looked amazing and it's it was really weird because it was like a whole different kind of feel to Kratos, and he had this interaction with his kid and stuff. And near the end of the God of War trailer, I'm like getting all emotional. It's like, man, God of War is hitting me in the feels. What the heck's going on? <laughs> Why is a tear coming to my eyes with God of War? What What is this? So I, I thought that was great. I'm really psyched about The Last Guardian finally getting a release date after years and years of waiting. And, We've been talking about that for forever. Oh my gosh. And then uh, another thing that I'm very kind of geeky about when it comes to video gaming, and it's a, a kind of a guilty pleasure, but some people can relate, uh, kind of a Kingdom Hearts fanboy. So mm -hmm. anything to do with Kingdom Hearts is like, yep, sign me up. I'm there. So uh, looking forward to Kingdom Hearts 2.8 in December this year. Definitely looking forward to Kingdom Hearts 3. Uh, it just... Man, I think everyone's been waiting for Kingdom Hearts 3 for a long time. It's that people talk about Half-Life 3. It's Kingdom Hearts 3 feels like a longer wait. Uh, so, yeah, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. There's just been so many things. Like, 
I'm going to turn things around on you. You watch D3. What are you excited about? I got I got little bits and tastes of it because again I was in in services all day, but every time I had to come in to to you know let them know what the to <laughs> what pile of books or papers to move next. Um, they added stuff onto the onto the board, and uh, the We Happy Few is that what it's called? Did you see that? Uh Man, I'm try that sounds like the name of a title, but I don't remember watching too much about that. What conference was that for? I don't remember. It was it's I wanna say Sony, I, but I could be wrong. I think it might it might be. We happy few that's not one that really grabbed me. It just looked I mean, I, I'm a, I'm a an English teacher and we just finished uh reading Brave New World that's the the what I closed the year with right and it's very dystopian and very and so um when I walked in my students were like hey Mr. Hogan this is it's Brave New World just freakier <laughs> and I was so I sat they they wanted to show me the the um the video of it and I was like this is something I can see myself getting kind of geeky over because it it was a little bit different than a lot of the stuff I play I tend to play it mostly Blizzard stuff, and if it's not Blizzard stuff, it's very campy and happy-go-lucky, and there was nothing happy-go-lucky about this at all. Xbox it was one. during the Xbox conference, which was actually the one conference that I didn't get to see the entire thing of, so it's very possible that I missed it, but just remember the name. Yeah, but yeah, I'm looking like, at images of it now. It looks freaky. Yeah, it's. I guess they... Everybody's on on these drugs that keep you happy all the time, mm. but you hallucinate all these things. And everyone's uh, the, the Joker. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And it's just it's just creepy. It's very dystopian. It's very dark. Mm. Um, so I, I think that 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 might be something that I'm looking into. Uh, I'm also been on a, a, a big Pokemon kick recently. Uh, so I was excited you waiting to for see... Pokemon Go to come out. <laughs> Some of my students actually got into the beta, oh, and jealous. yes. Is very very frustrating, but but very happy for them because they're very excited. But it looks it looks fun. I think the thing that's going to be the best about that is my husband likes to go hiking and getting out and about mm. around town, but not a big video game player. So I've explained to him that this might be what gets us to kind of collaborate <laughs> because he can find us new places to go and I can catch Pokemon. Yeah, who knows what rare Pokemon you'll find while hiking. Exactly. Yeah, you know, I don't, I, I don't do a whole lot of uh, hiking around and stuff. Like, I'll, I'll walk the, you know, maybe a, a mile or two a day, but it's pretty much the same path. So once I have Pokemon Go, I, I might be inspired to try going in different directions and seeing what happens there. Yeah, and and uh, I, I am looking forward to Sun and Moon. I, I, I got into a Pokemon kick a couple months ago, and. Any chance I have to kind of boot it up and and I've been playing uh, uh, Alpha Sapphire. Okay. Yes. And uh, and so I'm I'm looking forward to getting as many Pokemon as I can before that comes out and moving them over and and exploring that new game because it's I think I was in college the last time I played a Pokemon game so yeah. it, it's very nostalgic for me. Yeah, for me I honestly I only played like the first two generations of Pokemon games, but I am interested in Pokemon Go, uh, just because of that whole, the whole gamification exercise thing, uh, it kind of really hits the thing with me, I mean, I go out for walks already as it is, and if I can game 
while doing that, then all the better. Uh, I played Pokemon. I think the last Pokemon I had was I played was silver and gold. Uh, mm-hmm. or gold and silver, whichever order you put it in. But yeah, that was way, way back. I mean, before you had Alpha, Ruby, Omega, Sapphire, and and, and all these other different uh, fire red and leaf green or whatever like that. Uh, so I'm, I'm kind of several generations detached from that, and there are all these new Pokemon that I have no idea who they are. I, I saw the starter Pokemon for, uh, for this next generation coming up, and I'm like, they don't look all that familiar to me, but <laughs> no, no, not at all. And that's that's kind of the fun thing is I I think Pokemon Go is just sticking to the original set, mm-hmm. and so there is that very familiar. I think it'll it'll cross the generations because we all know who these Pokemon are, and I'm sure Charizard is, for life. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um. So th- those were the ones that kind of stood out mm-hmm. to me. I think uh, we happy few Pokemon, uh, definitely South Park. Anything else? I I think I pretty much covered just about all of it. We, whatever whatever I haven't talked about right now, we talked about a bit earlier in the show. So yeah, it's uh, it's been one of those weeks where I haven't had a whole lot of time to do other things, but uh, I'm keeping definitely keeping myself busy when I do have that free time. All right, we have a couple of news items. We didn't. I had a feeling that we would talk quite a bit, so <laughs> I, did, I, I didn't apologize. put a whole bunch of new stuff. No, not at all. I'm loving it. Um, but uh, most of these either refer to something we've already talked about today or have talked about on previous episodes. Um, we did mention virtual reality, and they released um, the new Star Trek virtual reality game that's going to be coming out. Um, have you seen any of the video on this? Yeah, or? LeVar Burton just seemed to have a blast being a part of that whole thing, man. It's a, and uh, you saw you saw him, you know, trying out the whole thing, and he was all in character. He he was talking about it's like you know I, I put on the thing, and it was like just all those mannerisms and being Geordie LaForge, it just clicked like that, and he was back there again. Uh, this looks interesting. I don't know now. See, I'm. I'm a fan of Star Trek, and I'm definitely a fan of sci-fi. I don't know if I would be big on the the whole bridge crew experience. I don't know if it's something that I would get, but I could definitely see a lot of people uh, checking out and trying it out. For me, uh, I'd probably say I'm more a Star Wars Battlefront X-Wing VR experience thing, which they teased during the PlayStation conference. Like, mm-hmm. being in an X-Wing and flying like that, I'd really be definitely all for that. Uh, the, the bridge crew thing, though, uh, it's definitely going to have a lot of people buying it. It's, uh, it's one of those things where, uh, again, just taking a look at the gameplay and such, it wasn't the, the, the most visually wowing thing in the world, but at the same time, it's just because it's Star Trek, because it's going to hit those nostalgia buttons, uh, you're going to have a lot of people buying it for sure. Well, and that's the thing. I'm I'm wondering if this is going to be one of those games that gets people to buy the actual VR systems, because this feels very much like a, a party game with friends kind of situation and not so much a... Uh, like wa- logging onto WoW and and hanging out mm-hmm. with your friends from all over the world, right. it feels very much like our regular D and D group is going to get together on such and such a date and do Star Trek instead. Yeah, for sure. It just, 
I think yeah. I think the the biggest challenge that virtual reality in general has right now is the price point thing because in addition to having you know your like with PlayStation in addition to having the the PlayStation hardware then you need a 400 piece of VR hardware on top of that if you're going to mm-hmm. do something like Bridge Crew then everyone needs one of those so it's a little excessive on the cost end so you really need some expendable income to get into the whole first the, this real first generation of VR that said I give this a few years when the, the price point on the, these headsets drops a bit to like the, the $200 range. And that's when I really think you're going to see it boom. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's kind of where I'm thinking just because, because again, as you said, everybody that you want to do this with has to have this, the, exactly. this technology. And I think that's where the barrier of entry is going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they talk about how the, the article that I'm going to put in the show notes talks about how it's geek nirvana. And I'm like, I don't know how many people can can afford entry to that particular nirvana if you gave me a choice between okay brian what would you rather do go get a blizzcon ticket for two years or buy this vr headset i would say buy my blizzcon ticket for two years yeah i would agree i would definitely agree um and the other thing just because we spent so much time talking about it when uh my friend ray vargas was on here talking about x-men apocalypse um gambit the movie is probably going to get a new director or at the very least um, be delayed because the current director, uh, Doug Lyman, is going to be doing something else. Yeah, uh, a film called Chaos Walking. Yeah, and our conversation previously was that I feel like Channing Tatum is trying to Ryan Reynolds' The Gambit movie. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that he has the the pool. Yeah. It's weird because I'd love to see a Gambit movie, but at the same time, I mean, okay, so we saw that Deadpool was actually a very successful movie without being under the thumb of – without being under the control of, you know, directly Disney and such like that, right? Deadpool did mm-hmm. a good job at being Deadpool. I I wonder it how much how many people will actually see Gambit though. You see, the thing is, Deadpool what ha, was the success that it was not because there were that many Deadpool fans, but because the dead because Deadpool in the trailers and the hype and stuff like that, he came off as being this you know this very different kind of hero and very eccentric and very you know R rated and stuff. Gambit's one of those things where, like, I think it's only going to mainly attract people who are familiar with the character from the X-Men franchise. And I don't think that any Mm -hmm. amount of marketing or promotion is going to bring in millions of other people to make Gambit a super hit, whether you have Channing Tatum behind the wheel of it or not. Uh, I really feel for a Gambit movie to be successful and to be quite honest, for almost any X-Men movie to be successful outside of Deadpool or anything with a name Wolverine in it uh, would be <laughs> for it to be something, you know, that's done by Disney. I just I cannot wait for the day that Marvel 
has control of all of its franchises under the, its own cinematic uh, movie house. Uh, we need we need the mutant characters in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So we needed them five years ago. It's really weird seeing the MCU where you have to rely on Inhumans and not mutants. I would I would completely agree. I would completely agree. And the other problem with Gambit is that of all of the X Men, there are there are so many others that I think would be better at holding a solo title. Cable, Cable, Storm, and, and Cable I think is going to be in the next Deadpool movie. Uh, yeah, right. Cable, Storm, uh, even Rogue, I think would pull more than Gambit. I, I would I would completely agree. I would completely agree. And so I just I mean I kudos for him. I mean I'm 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 a huge Channing Tatum fan. I think he's he's a seems like a great guy, but I I just think he's trying to force something that just doesn't want to be forced. Yeah, I, I totally agree. It's uh, it's just it's just kind of one of those things where you know, Gambit may not happen at all, but. That's not necessarily – I'm not going to raise pitchforks and torches about it. If it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. Uh, there are plenty of other awesome things happening with uh, Marvel movies that aren't related to X-Men. So. <laughs> yeah, we completely – well, anytime you hear there's another problem, there's another problem, there's another problem, yeah. I, I'm, I'm worried it's going to go the way of Fantastic Four where it's oh. like before it even comes out, people are like, yeah, don't go see this one. Yeah. Yeah, I have been suckered into watching every single Fantastic Four movie in the theater, and I don't know why. It's like it's like Lucy, Charlie Brown, and that football. This Fantastic (laughs) Four movie is going to be different. I swear. You watch; it's going to be great. And I go into the theater and I watch it. And halfway into the movie, I'm like, "What is this crap? Why did I do this again?" Yeah. So those are the little those little news bits that I wanted to to work in here, but. We really should move on to the meat and potatoes of our show, mm-hmm. which is the Warcraft movie, yes. um, because it it is quite the I, I don't want to say controversial because I don't know that it's controversial, but there's a lot of opinions out there. It, it's a very polarizing thing because this is a movie where, uh, honestly, if you look at the numbers right now, it is a profitable movie. It, it's making money for the people who made the, who made the movie or at the very least, it's going to bring them close to breaking. Even if you consider promotional budgets and stuff like that, I would not call it a disaster. If you look at it from the whole worldwide scene on the domestic mm-hmm. scene, however, it is not putting out the numbers that probably fans of the Warcraft franchise would like to see it pull. It, it's definitely not, bringing in too many people into the Warcraft universe for the first time. It's it's a weird movie. Now, I've seen the movie, and my overall opinion of the movie is I feel it is the best ad- adaptation of a video game into a movie, uh, even mm-hmm. better than Resident Evil, uh, better than, Mortal, than the first Mortal Kombat, uh, which are basically kind of near the top of my list on video game adaptations. Uh, I feel it's the best video game adaptation in a movie, but I don't think it was there were a it was a good popcorn movie, and there was a lot of awesome Warcraft fan service that I loved watching and seeing. Was it the strongest story in the world? Did it have the strongest, most fleshed out characters in the world? No, because 
it was trying to do way too much and not yeah. enough time to do it. But I still – some people hear me say that, and they'll be like, ah, blasphemy. You think the Warcraft movie sucks? No. I thought the Warcraft movie was good, but I totally understand why people not connected with the video game franchise. I can totally understand why movie critics would go in and see this movie and be like, what is this piece of trash? I mean they're moving through this movie so fast. I don't know who the names of these characters are. What was the point of this scene and that scene? Why is this happening? I can see why movie critics would completely set this film on fire. But as a fan of the franchise, I love this movie because I understood all the references. I understood what who this character was and why he was important, why this female orc was important, why the uh what Gul'dan was all about. I got it. This was a movie that was made for the fandom and it shows in every single minute of its footage. It was not a movie that was really made for the mainstream. And that surprised me because my biggest fear about the movie was that it was going to be too mainstream, that they were going to make too many compromises to make it a mainstream movie. And surprisingly, they didn't do that. And they're kind of paying for that in the box office. But personally, I thought it was pretty solid. You you pretty much just laid out everything that I felt <laughs> about the movie. Because I, I agree. I was going in there going, oh, it's going to be one of those things where people are like, oh, this is a decent movie. And us fans are going to be like, yeah, but they didn't do this right, and they didn't do that right, and they didn't do this right. And I think it was the exact opposite. It was, we were like, it was wow. Total fan service. There was like the number of times that I could go, okay, I know exactly where that is. You know, that they'd have a scene, and I'm like, I know, I could take my character and put them in that spot in Elwyn Forest right now. Now, the moment that I'd say the first moment that it really like grabbed me right at the beginning of the movie is that whole uh, the the opening fly through of Stormwind and mm -hmm. they play the the first little bit of that Stormwind theme music. I'm like, ah, oh, the feels because I start, yeah. I started out playing Warcraft as an Alliance character. I mainly play Horde characters right now, but for uh, the first half of playing World of Warcraft, I played Alliance, so that Stormwind music, it really is engraved into me, so when I heard that Stormwind music, just the beginning of that theme, I'm like, ah, oh, yes, this is it. Yeah, and, and even with just the, the opening, because I start, I, again, exact opposite of you, I started as Horde and now play more Alliance. Nice. Um, I, when they, they had the, the fight at the beginning and they're like, how did we come to this? Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, you, that's, that's, uh, Duratar and there's the, you know, you can see the, the, the ocean in the background. I know exactly in the game where that is. Yep. And, and it was just that, that feeling of, I'm glad they started out with something like that because I could kind of go, okay, I'm very familiar with this. But I went to go see it with, Four other people, none of whom play World of Warcraft. Um, you know, I went with uh, my friend Kenny from Dumbbells and Dragons and my friends Mandy and Kevin from the WEC podcast and my husband. Mm -hmm. And I had said, I want to go. I, I don't have a big group of Warcraft players out here that I hang out with on a regular basis. So I wanted to go with at least geeks who would appreciate the genre. Yeah. And um, and a good portion of the movie, I found myself kind of breaking myself out of it and going, I wonder if the other four of them are keeping up with what's going are on. Are they having fun? Did you, did you like look over them and see that like if they were kind of zoned out or if they were like into it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that that 
and and at the end I asked and they seemed to be able to follow it along so I think it might have been a little bit more of my wanting them to be able to share in that experience with me I want you to like this Exactly but I could understand you know walking out of it I I kind of felt I had fun with this but I can understand people coming into this going eh it was an all right movie Yeah yeah and yeah. I mean as as far I am not disappointed with it. I'm glad that I saw it in the theater, you know, on the big screen. Uh, will it have a sequel? That's that's a really interesting question because it did so well in China, uh, mm-hmm. amazingly well in China, like one of the best openings in China of all time. Uh, and there, <laughs> one of the developers for World of Warcraft even uh, linked on his Twitter feed uh, this rap video that used uh, Warcraft uh, movie footage that was a Chinese rap. And I'm like, wow, <laughs> China really likes this movie. Uh, <laughs> but no, it was one of those things where it's like, it, it definitely grabbed a lot of interest and attention. It definitely made a lot of money. I don't know if we're going to see a sequel for it because I, it just, it didn't grab enough people. I think uh, in the U S for the, the, if it, if another sequel gets made, it's going to be made for the same reasons that the first one was made, and it's going to be it's going to be another fan service movie. Uh, it will continue mm-hmm. the story, and I don't see them doing anything to try to pull in those new uh, new people. But I feel like they can still make a movie that is going to get that kind of money from China and all over the place. It may not be a hit uh, in the U.S., but these days, uh, certain movies don't necessarily have to be a hit in the U.S. to warrant coming out with sequels and stuff. Uh, the Fast and Furious, mm-hmm. terrific example there. That thing is a freaking blockbuster. I mean, it, it made a significant amount in the U.S., but the bulk of its money came from overseas. So I, we'll see what happens with Warcraft. Uh, I guess... For me, the 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 opening, the the very beginning of the whole Warcraft uh, story, the the kind of the Warcraft one part of it, which is where this movie is basically based off of, uh, it, it's definitely an interesting story. But the, the real Warcraft fanboy in me, you know what I want to see, right? I think right. I it's what all of well, I think a good majority of Warcraft fans want to see. We want to see the Artha story, exactly. Well, that's what I was going to ask. It was like, would it have been better for them to start at Warcraft three? It's an interesting. Okay, so I guess my answer is, if knowing now what I know, if I known then what I know now, I would say yes. I think that the Arthas story would have been a terrible choice for a Warcraft movie when you are trying to go mainstream and introduce more people to the Warcraft universe. I feel like it's funny because I feel that going from the beginning of Warcraft was a great way to attempt to bring more people into it. Yet they ended up making the movie so appealing to the fan base and their focus was more on the people who are really connected to the Warcraft franchise and stuff, that looking back on it, I think, well, geez, if, you, if you're tailoring this movie more so for the fan base than anyone else, why not start with the Arthas story? Because we all know how the Warcraft story began. But man, so many of us want to see uh, the Arthas' journey. Uh, so many of us want to see uh, 
the relationships with uh, b- between the Jaina and Uther and Arthas and the dynamic there when Arthas uh, betrays uh, uh, Muradin and, and all that stuff. It, I, I would say that there's a lot of very interesting dramatic points that happen throughout the, the whole storyline of the, the Frozen Throne and then carry that over into Wrath of the Lich King and the stuff that happened then. If you're going to make a movie for the fans, then the Arthas story is definitely where it's at. So, yeah, I'm a little surprised that they didn't go that direction, considering just how much they made this movie for the fans of the game. Yeah, and I, and I think that's that's part of the problem, I think. Because I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Burning Crusade person. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, that's where my entry point was. And I've gone back and I've I've learned the lore before then, but you know mostly the Warcraft three stuff because that was the most pertinent. Right. So you know anything that I know of that was in this movie, I've learned from either you know discussions about how Warlords of Draenor um, differs from the original timeline, and and anything that's been on any of the various uh, Blizzard Watch podcasts and its previous iteration. Right. So, you know, you ever watch videos me, from a novel? I have watched a couple of, mm-hmm. yes. And and on my long list of summer uh viewings that has that has been on there it's on once the or list. twice. <laughs> it's on the list. But I I think that's part of the problem. A lot of it was I I know these characters, I know who they're supposed to be, I know where this is supposed to go, but I haven't ever investigated it because to me that's not the important or exciting part of the Warcraft universe. Like it's a good background history, but it, it's not where the the stories are. And I feel yeah. like you know when you start getting into Sylvanas and you still start getting into even just the even just the the creation of the Horde as we know it now mm-hmm. is such a more in my mind dynamic story than this one was that I feel like a lot of it fell on we're trying to put too many characters into too short of a movie with not the most exciting you know we're we're telling a history here as opposed to a dynamic get people into the seat story right and uh, another thing that's kind of interesting about this is when you're making a movie for the fan base is one of the things about the beginning of the Warcraft story is it is orcs versus humans. And Mm -hmm. yes, you have a couple of orc characters that definitely, you know, they, they have that sense of honor and morals. And there are a couple of orc characters that, you know, come across and portray themselves as genuinely, uh, for lack of a better word, good. That said, you watch the Warcraft movie and when you see orcs for the most part, when you see that, that massive horde, when you see all these countless orcs that are fighting off the humans and stuff like that, you it's difficult not to associate orcs straight out the bat with evil. Orcs are evil, mm-hmm. orcs are bad. There's a couple of exceptions, but orcs are bad. Yet in the World of Warcraft universe, it's very much a different kind of story now because so much has happened since that point in uh, the history of the world that there's many different shades of gray to it. And I, I would say that uh, the orcs of the, of uh, wow right now, I mean, yeah, you probably have some that have those kind of angry, evil tendencies and stuff like that, but there's far more depth to the character and personality of not just the orcs, but the other races of the horde as well. So it's so, 
the movie while the movie does show like hey there's a couple of good orcs it still feels like humans good orcs bad a little bit too much and for people who uh play horde characters more than alliance characters in world of warcraft seeing this movie i can understand why it may make them feel a little awkward maybe even uncomfortable it's like eh Horde's not – this is definitely an Alliance movie. Alliance's, Alliance comes out on top. They go Alliance. And it, that's interesting because um, in the culture of World of Warcraft, it's always felt like when you look at the fandom of WoW that your Horde players tend to be – more passionate than the Alliance players. That's just my perception, and, it, and I see that perception shared by a lot of other players as well. Don't get me wrong. There are a lot of passionate Alliance players, but when you stack Alliance players against Horde players, uh, you go to any BlizzCon, and you hear those battle cries. Metzen's on stage, <laughs> and he says, Alliance players, where are you at? For the Alliance, blah, blah, blah. And then Horde players, where are you at? And the For the Horde <sighs> gets deaf in the freaking room. Uh, so it, that's kind of it, – it's weird. It, it's just kind of weird that this movie is really – this is an alliance movie with a couple of it good very much is. Yeah, it very much is. And like I said, I started out as a, a horror player, and so I, I, do, I still have trouble because, because it is a little bit of that that identity that you develop in WoW where you know when people are like, oh, are you horror or alliance? Oh, like, that question. Really... Red or blue? Yeah. Exactly. I'm like, I'm, I'm bifactional. Um, <laughs> and that's what I say too. Yeah. But it's, it's kind of like, but I have trouble letting go of that horde identity because it was for so long. I was like for the horde. In fact, mm-hmm. when, um, when my husband proposed, um, <laughs> it was for, uh, he took me to my very first, uh, Broadway play because I'm a, I'm a theater major and, uh, he, uh, is from New Jersey. So it was our first Christmas back East together. Nice. First time in New York seeing a Broadway show, and he says, you really, you're really having fun. It was intermission. I'm like, yeah, I'm really having fun. This is awesome. Thank you so much for bringing me here. And he's like, well, what, you know, what other thing in other than theater do you, you know, are you really passionate about? And, of course, the first thing that comes to my mind is Warcraft, but I'm not going to say that because right. that's just lame. Uh, so I turned to him. I'm like, you. And he goes, yeah, right. Um, but seriously. And then I'm like, food? <laughs> and then I just what do you spend a lot of time playing? And I was like, Warcraft. <laughs> and, and so he gets down on one knee and he hands me this horde ring. Oh. And, and I was like, yeah, it's like, well, actually I never, I never actually said yes. I said, your ring is at home at your parents' house. Cause I was going to propose to him two days later at the empire state building. <laughs> um, but, uh, but it, you know, it's that, you know, he, he, knew I need to get him the right faction ring. In fact, he got me an alliance ring to begin with, and he was like, do you, you know, you're alliance, right? I'm like, oh, God, no, I'm not alliance. I'm horse. <laughs> Had to send the ring back, get a new one. Um, but it's that identity, and you're right. There, If you're not, if you're horde, this movie doesn't feel like your movie. It's not our horde. It's Heck, not good, our... The, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen the Warcraft movie. Spoilers, <laughs> don't listen for 30 seconds. If you like the good orcs, they end up dying. <laughs> yeah, there's not a lot of not a lot of good orcs left standing right. at the end of this movie. <laughs> um, we we've talked about some of the th- misses, some of the things we didn't think went really the direction we expected them to go. Mm-hmm. What were the things that you really liked about it? Were there the you know 
the the key moments, the things that you really think that they nailed, the the characters that you were like, yes, I want to see more of this. Uh, Cadgar carried the movie in, in terms mm-hmm. of uh, characters and stuff like that. Some of the characters felt a little flat, felt a little shallow, uh, mainly because they didn't, they weren't given enough time to really flesh them out. But of all of the characters, I can definitely say uh, Cadgar was uh, my favorite. Uh, Medivh. Their portrayal of Medivh seemed a little off, but that was partially due to the way they kind of rebooted him and the way they kind of retold uh, his association with, like, the fell magic and everything like that. I uh, really yeah. liked Khadgar. I thought the twist I thought the twist with uh, Garona and King Lane near the end of the movie, how they decided to carry out the events near the end of the movie – I thought that was an interesting twist because that's one thing that they that was a very big deviation from how those two interacted in the original story of Warcraft. Because uh, in the original story, she was basically magically forced she, to kill him. Yes, by by uh, Gul'dan. Yes, in, in the original story, Gul'dan mind controlled her and she took out King Lane. In this one. You find out again. Spoiler alert! Uh, if you're listening to us talking about Warcraft, I hope you've seen the movie. Yeah, this, this is a spoiler yeah, yeah. cast. If, yeah. I, if we haven't mentioned right, this, I'll right. put it in, the, in so, the title. But it is a spoiler yeah. cast. So uh, in this one, it's you find out it's King Lane who tells Corona the only way we're the only way we have a chance of getting out of this both sides is for you to kill me. And at first, when he said that, I'm like. That doesn't make any sense at all. But then at a few um, moments later when they play out the rest of it and they show the interaction with uh, Garona, Gul'dan, and the other orcs and how the other orcs are reacting to uh, the way Gul'dan and Garona are and all that stuff, then it made more sense to me. And it's like, man, there, that's just such – that was such a more – that was a more meaningful and deeper sacrifice not just on – uh, Lane's part because he was doing it for his people, but also on Corona's part because here she is having to kill this person who she basically considered more or less, you know, a, a friend. You know, I, she definitely had this uh, this friendship with uh, the king's wife and such, and she ends up having to kill him because she knows it's also the right thing to do, and she kind of has to more or less take that secret with her to the grave. She can't talk about that, you know, King Lane made me do it because then that destroys the whole reason why it was done in the first place. It was just, it was a far more intriguing and deeper thing. And that really got me. And you know what? That was one of those things where it was a big change, but it was the right change. Uh, And I would also just have to say that in general, they did a decent job at, uh, giving the the female characters of the of the story a bit more personality and depth than those characters had when they were just a bunch of pixels in Warcraft 1. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I I would have really liked to have I could have watched an entire movie about um Duratan and Draka. Yeah. Like I I enjoyed their interactions so much. Like it those were the those the quiet moments with the two of them, um, or with uh, Ogrim and and Duratar, uh, Duratan. The, they they were the ones that really kind of made me go like this feels very Warcraft like. So this yeah, the, 
that's kind of one of the things I was thinking about with this movie is one of the complaints I have with the movie is, uh, again, they tried to get too much done in too little time. I mm-hmm. honestly feel like this could have been two different movies. This could have been a two-part movie uh, where your first part is almost entirely takes place on Draenor, where it is an orc-centric thing, and you see the all these relationships between the orcs develop, and it also gives you more opportunity to flesh out the orc characters for people who are getting used to them and uh, and just make them seem more meaningful, show that there's definitely not just evil when it comes to orcs, but there's there's good, evil, shades of gray in between, issues of honor and stuff like that. Really flesh out what the orcs are so that you can show to the world the orcs in this universe are not your Lord of the Rings orcs by far. They could have mm-hmm. done a whole movie about orcs and then end that movie with sending that first group of orcs into Azeroth, and then you have a second movie which is more focused on humans. You give more time. You give more time with humans. Hell, you could have made three movies out of this. You could have had your orcs movie. You could have had your humans movie. And then your third movie is when they, the two collide. Right. And then at that point, you really are truly in a situation like you are in World of Warcraft where they aren't just good guy, bad guy. Right. Yeah. I, I always said when when back when this was a you know, pipe dream that we ever thought we were going to get a Warcraft movie. I always said, you know, they they should find some way to do, you know, a movie from the... It would be cool to do the same movie, but one from the Horde perspective and one from the... um, And simultaneous release of two Warcraft movies, an orc movie and a human movie at the same time. It would never happen for... It would never happen. But boy, (laughs) would that be something... That's something that you could probably pull off in a video game... Like if they did, like if they did an, a reboot of the Warcraft story in, in gaming, like let's say they rebooted Warcraft One. Well, actually, mm. they kind of do that because I mean, if you think about it, uh, well, they kind of do that in their games to begin with. In the Warcraft games, you can play the human campaign or the orc campaign. In Warcraft right. Three, you were able to play different campaigns for the different factions. I feel like the movie needed that campaign too we needed a movie for the human campaign and we needed a movie for the orc campaign just trying to mush them together into one movie it it just doesn't get the job entirely done it leaves me wanting much more right which is which i think brings us to the fact that i would be very sad not to see more movies like i i do hope that it did well enough overseas that they can go okay let's get further into this story let's get to a point in this story where um we've got really strong stories to tell Mm -hmm. and we can we can be a little bit more inclusive of both sides because i mean if we start heading towards the you know the um thrall kind of releasing the the orcs from from concentration camps right. in that that direction, you know, it is a little bit of the flip of the script where they are the empathetic characters and the the humans are a little bit more um, questionably moral, and and I think that's kind of where we need to to take the next movie is it it does need to be a little bit of the flip of the script so that 
we we do empathize a little bit more with the orcs than we we did in this one. They're all liberating the orcs. Uh, Grom or Gromash Hellscream sacrifice uh, to defeat Manoroth after being corrupted by the fell blood and everything like that. Yeah, there, there's a lot of there's a lot of good points. Uh, you know, from the orc perspective, that could be great if uh, brought to the the big screen. I I don't know if it's going to happen. It's I am just as much in question about will there be a Warcraft sequel as I was about will there be a Warcraft movie five years ago. Yeah, yeah, and that's not a place we want to be yeah. as fans. We <laughs> want to be a like good movie still. Yeah, yeah, we want to be in a in a position like we are with our Marvel movies, yeah. where we're like, okay, this was great, and I cannot wait. How am I? How am I ever going to wait another three, four, six months? For the next movie to come out, Doctor Strange. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Benedict Cumberbatch as Doctor Strange. Yes, please. Um, I think the last thing that I wanted to talk about, and um, and this is a little bit of a departure from the movie, mm-hmm. but I, I'm just kind of curious to hear your thoughts. Whether they would do it or not, would you be interested in seeing a relaunch of World of Warcraft to go along with a more concise movie universe or even just kind of a let's let's take all the technology that we have now that we didn't have 12 years ago and and reboot into a world of warcraft 2 no not yet i think before i'd want to see that i would want to see so, so here's the thing. They, they've made some very deliberate changes with their lore in the Warcraft movie. Changes mm-hmm. that, for the most part, I actually think make a better story. Uh, right. things that, some things could definitely be fleshed out a bit more, but like the whole thing with Grona and King Lane, I like that version better than the version that, we're, uh, uh, that we were first introduced to. I would like to see a reboot of the Warcraft universe as the RTS series. I'd like to see Warcraft 1, 2, and 3, but not not just an HD remaster remix of the old games, but I would like to see the story familiar, but rebooted, retold, with some changes that might make more sense, that might be uh, more, uh, more friendly also to the diverse culture that is you know playing video games these days as well i'd like to see a more grown-up story for warcraft retooled and everything and once you have you know two or three of those war of those rebooted warcraft games down maybe 10 years down the line you reintroduce a world of warcraft mmo i really feel like uh, these Cycles in gaming that they they come and go. Right now we're at a point where you know MMOs are not the thing. Right now the thing right. is stuff like uh, your your Counter Strike. You have your first person shooters and you have your uh, MOBA games. Those are mm-hmm. at the top of the scene right now. I think MMOs will make a comeback. In fact, I think the MMOs will make a resurgence. Once we are at the point with virtual reality that it is very commonplace and affordable, that whole thing about the price point being low enough, once everyone has easy access to virtual reality gear, I think that's when you see the rebirth of the MMO. And at that point, that would be the right timing to introduce a World of Warcraft 2, uh, not necessarily a continuation of the current universe, 
but a rebooted, retold universe, kind of like in the essence of what EQ2 was to EQ1, which some people may shudder to think about because people prefer the EQ1 story more than EQ2. But I think if you put it in the hands of Blizzard, they could do it right. They could tell a different Warcraft universe and still make it appealing and engaging and exciting to participate in. I just don't feel now's the right time for it. I would agree. I would agree. I I think... You know, and in that, and me saying that, any of my my World of Warcraft listeners who are like, "What are you talking about? We don't want to change stuff up." Um, I I am I'm my feelings of Warlords of Draenor aside, I am very excited about Legion. I am yeah. they I will keep throwing money at the franchise whenever you know I have the opportunity. But um, but I always every once in a while will think, you know, it would be nice to have something a little bit more streamlined and simpler that is easier to navigate that brings in new blood but i would agree with you that it's not quite that time yet right and no i I totally agree and i also think that if they ever were to reboot the warcraft universe in gaming as they have in movies it also give them uh the opportunities to introduce either new characters or to show a lot more depth to characters that they never really gave much attention to in the first place. Uh, it, it could bring entirely new audiences to the game, too, depending on who you put your attention on. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, very good. Any other points that you think we may have missed? I think we covered quite a bit. No, and, you know, and I mean, for people that have listened to us chat for the past few 50 minutes or so about this movie uh, some of you may sound like you know like we're both highly critical of the movie and while i'm highly critical of the movie i still have to say i did like this movie one to ten scale i would mm-hmm. give it an eight it was a solid movie i am the reasons I am critical about it the way I am is because I love this franchise so much. And I'm just as critical of uh, the MMO and the game as I am of the movie. Doesn't mean that I hate the MMO either. Even if I'm on sub to it right now, I'm still jumping in the Legion in about a month and a half. I'm going to be totally there and I'm going to love that. I I think sometimes people on the internet uh, don't realize that, you can be critical and passionate about something at the same time. You know, just because you're critical doesn't mean you hate. Yeah, I would completely agree. And if it hasn't, if it isn't clear, I would agree. I'm right there with it a seven or eight for this mm-hmm. movie as well. Um, but I, I, I think that is a very important thing to bring up because I, I think there are two ways to go about criticizing things on the internet. The way we have done so here, where we do it out because we are passionate about the property, and the way that some people are just like, oh, that's stupid, it sucks. Right. The, 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 we are, we are, this is a, a exercise in analytics, yes. <laughs> if nothing else. And it's a, giving us a chance to talk about something that we just absolutely love and adore. And so, um, you know, take that with the grain of salt that it is, uh, you know, being offered with. So. Absolutely. Very cool. Well, thank you very much, uh, Brian, for, uh, <laughs> Bro, Brian, whatever you want to call me, man, it's all the same for, um, for talking with us today. Do you have any shout outs you'd like to send out that in, into the webs? Well, uh, first of all, you, thank you for having me on this show. It, it this is the first, uh, I believe the first podcast I have been on, uh, 
Well, no, I guess listening to Next is kind of the first because it was a pot. It's also a podcast about podcasts. But uh, until listen to Next and this one, I haven't really been on too many pod. Well, no, there's Current Geek too. Man, I've been on a lot of podcasts. <laughs> but it, the point I'm trying to make is more often than not, when I'm a guest on a podcast, it's on a podcast specifically about other Blizzard games. You know, it's within my wheelhouse. So it's it's kind of nice to to step a little bit outside of that and be able to talk about uh, other things, uh, geekdom and such. And uh, it's it's been a pleasure, and this has been an awesome conversation. So thanks to you, and uh, just uh, shout-outs to anyone who, uh, you know, has downloaded or listened to any of my podcasts, or really who just in particular – any of you who are downloading and listening to podcasting in particular, and those of you that are uh, creating podcasting content for others, uh, because uh, I think a lot of people don't realize just uh, for some of us how much of our heart and soul is put into creating these things. And then on the flip side, just how much we as listeners and consumers of podcasts uh, really enjoy the the stuff that podcasters put out uh, because it, it helps us take a break from the, the current uh, present worries of our mind, whether it's on our commute from uh, home to work or it's while uh, do, mowing the lawn or, or taking a walk or whatever like that. Uh, it, it provides an escape and it provides a, a little bit of a sanity in a very often insane world. So to podcasters and podcastings alike, I definitely give a shout out to you. Well, thank you very much, and uh, definitely a shout-out to you, because um, I, I've, I've tried very hard not to fanboy, but um, and I'm, I'm going to get the, the number wrong, I think, but I want to say it was your 100th episode mm-hmm. where you talked about, a little bit like you did today, about, um, you know, just go out there and make the podcast. And yeah. I think that was kind of the final kick in the butt that started me on my journey to go, okay, you know what? I've been talking about this for a long time. I've been thinking about this for a long time. It's If Ro says I can do it, then I'm going to go out and do it. Yeah, so, just, um, quite honestly, the, if I can do it, anyone can freaking do it, okay? I still – I am really – when I'm not behind a microphone – I am an everyday kind of person just like anyone else. I'm a little geeky and I play video games. Uh I, I'm not I'm not living in a basement or anything like that. I I'm just a guy who likes video games and likes listening to podcasts and I'm outside of that, I, you know, I'm kind of an average ordinary normal Joe uh, guy or gal like anyone else and if I can do it Anyone can really. It, you just uh, just a little motivation, a little encouragement from some outside sources as well, and just like you said, push that publish button. And the first yeah. time, the first time you push it, you uh, it won't be long before you push it again. Yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, the other shout out I'd like to give out is to uh, Void from the Geek to Geek podcast. Because he has uh, his own mini cast up called Video Game News Now, and if we, we talked a little bit about E3 uh, today, but he tries to do a almost daily five-minute show about just kind of video game headlines. Mm. 
But for E3, he just blasted us with every single panel he watched. He gave us a good little five to eight minute synopsis of it. And so if you're one of those people like me who spends a lot of time in the car and doesn't have a lot of time to kind of browse the, the web for for stuff that they are interested in, right. it's a really good way of kind of keeping up with just the little headlines in the video game news. So I'm going to throw that out as a shout out for uh, Void to to thank him for for providing that. So check that out on iTunes and Stitcher and all those places because it's a very, very fun little informative podcast. Nice. And kind of along those same lines, I guess I can think of another uh, shout-out to give. Uh, If you are trying to find other podcasts to listen to, uh, there's this uh, little show in the interwebs called Listen To Next. I mentioned them briefly a little bit ago. Uh, Check out that show. It's it's a couple guys talking about the podcast podcasts that they like to listen to and uh maybe uh you might get a little encouragement from them to to check those shows out might find out you had a couple shows to your playlist that aren't necessarily about blizzard games like you get from my show so yeah check out listen, <laughs> that was a, check out listen to next that was another one of those moments where i was like damn it i have to add another one because <laughs> i started listening to them i think after you mentioned them on your show i'm like all right i'll go watch that yeah. <laughs> if, Ro, if Ro recommends it um Next week, we're going to be talking to Russell Emanuel, who is the director of Occupants, which is a psychological thriller. And it's an independent film that just took second place in the film festival at Phoenix Comic Con. So I'm excited to hear all about Occupants and talk to him. Uh, anything coming up for you next week? I Just more of the same. Work, work, work. Uh, recording and doing episode 198. Getting ready for episode 199. And then, boom! 200 ah! <laughs> <laughs> then a nice well-deserved then a break. break for a few weeks and I'll, I'll be back in in late july to to begin the next run of 100 episodes perfect all the music in this episode is by ben sound and is being used under creative commons license you can find more music by ben sound at bensound.com you can currently find us at geektitude.com as well as itunes stitcher and google play as well as most other podcatchers out there Uh, Please give us a review and spread the word. If you'd like to contact me, you can send me an email at joehogan at geektitude.com. You can follow the show on Twitter at Geektitude or me personally at Epic Grays. Uh, Brian, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at RoWow. That's spelled R-H-O-W-O-W. You can find my podcast, Realm Maintenance, on Twitter at Realm Podcast if you are a fan of uh, Warcraft, Starcraft, Diablo, Heroes of the Storm, Overwatch, uh, or uh, just anything to do with Blizzard Entertainment, uh, check out Realm Maintenance. You can find it on the web, on the web at realm-maintenance.com. Awesome. Thank you again so much for being on the show today. And thank you for having and me on. It's been a blast. Yeah, I, I've had a lot of fun. And for those of you out there listening, remember this week, keep it geek.